Run it. Dope. <laughs> Let's go, man. Nice. Welcome, brother. Thank you for coming through. I'm here uh, with one of my favorites, for sure. The man, Damn. Justin J, hey. in the Broken English Podcast. How have you been? Dude, things have been great. And just want to say, Ernesto, <laughs> thank you for having me, dude. This nah, is, nah. is awesome, man. Um, Yeah, dude. This is like... Our first time getting to actually kick it outside of a party. Yeah. Uh, that was hilarious. Uh, a week ago, more or less, I just dropped into Floyd, which is like the, I guess it's like a part of space, yeah. kind of. Um, and Ernesto's just chilling in the DJ booth on a Sunday night. Nala was playing. Yeah, dude. I mean, <laughs> uh, Nala hit me up and she was like, I'm playing Floyd in a couple hours. I mm -hmm. said, don't mind if I do, you know? <laughs> I don't really go out that much, to be honest. Yeah. But when friends are playing mm -hmm. and uh, people I like, I'll, I'll, I'll do that. That's great. I just don't go out randomly to mm. just go out anymore. Because mm. I did, like, you know, I partied a lot. Mm. A lot. <laughs> Since I was, like, very young. When, so, yeah, when was your first nightclubbing experience? I mean, I've, I've told this story before. It yeah. sounds pretty crazy. Mm -hmm. um, one time, somebody actually called me out on it randomly, but <laughs> it's a thousand percent the truth. Mm -hmm. um, I grew up in a lot of places, but mostly in Europe. Mm -hmm. And um, we used to go on vacation to Ibiza. Game over. And uh, <laughs> Yeah, but you got to see, for, for people living in Spain, going to Ibiza is like, 30, 30 euros. Yeah. Oh, that's and amazing. And a lot of people go just to the beaches, mm -hmm. like the other side of the island. Yeah. So my family, we used to take vacations there. Mm -hmm. And my sisters went out to party because they're older than me. And my parents went out to party and I never got to do anything aside from go to like you got the left at home. Store. They yeah. left you at home. Yeah, I was a kid. I was a kid. <laughs> It, like really a kid uh, <laughs> so i used to go to the record stores and just listen to records and stuff i, I liked a, a lot of technos a bit ben bath oh that's awesome that sort of stuff wait how old are you 13 12 yeah, and you're then, like the 12 year old not invited to the party digging for yeah, sven bath no, records of course, of course. <laughs> but that's epic i've always been like sort of attached to what my sisters do yeah yeah that's why i wasn't you know listening mm -hmm. to britney spears it's mm -hmm. not because i uniquely came up with it but mm -hmm. my sisters were into electronic music my parents as well that's dope so Pete Tong was my favorite DJ at that time or that's probably just the one I knew yeah 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 yeah. <laughs> and uh, he was playing Pasha wow and mm -hmm. apparently somebody told my sister that if you went to the sushi restaurant there was mm -hmm. a door at the back and if you ate there that you can just go into the club so I got dressed like fully on black, black uh -huh. on black with black sunglasses. I've always been pretty tall. Yeah, you're. <laughs> and I walked in, dude. And we walked Let's in and with, with both my parents and my sisters. The and whole family. Just... Yeah, 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 yeah. That's that's. And awful. it was. I remember perfectly. It was Paul Lockenfold mm -hmm. opening for Pete Tong. Wow. Or Pete Tong was opening for Paul Lockenfold. Yeah. Once I saw that, I was like, I want to be involved in this somehow. Damn. For sure. Mm -hmm. Then I got into DJing when I was 14. I, I went to mm -hmm. do some vinyl mixing lessons when I came back to my father and I was like, hey, dad, I want to get some uh, SP1200s and uh, it's going to be like 5K. And he said, go fuck yourself. <laughs> Essentially. 
right. of what happened. Right. And then I didn't DJ for a long time until mm -hmm. Tractor came out. Mm. But yeah, it was at that time the, the entry barrier was kind of expensive. Yeah, there was no there were no all in one controllers and you know like yeah that's um damn dude that's an amazing first experience like pacha it, it's funny because i feel like getting to i i feel like it sort of speaks to a big difference between europe and america Ooh, you know i feel like in the u.s many people's like first nightclub experiences generally are like when you're 22 23 because yeah you can't you, you can't yeah, go to yeah, nightclubs yeah. till you're 21 and when you're 18 you go to college and most of most like american you know college students experience. yeah and it's like partying at frat houses and yeah. stuff and you know you're just not getting exposed to like a real dance club until you're yeah 22 23 so that's literally like you know yeah. 10 years later <laughs> so how did you start how was your first party first party was a rave uh you know because that's the one thing that the the u.s does have uh -huh. especially california where there is like that's festivals you know um and so i went to an insomniac rave when i was in 10th grade which i think is you know was a bit early compared to you know most of my friends but um yeah had no idea what a rave really was and it's funny because i'd been making music on the computer like electronic music but i didn't That's i was amazing. like so I was, you were making music since 10th 10th grade making yeah music. yeah but it was like pretty much my story there I wanted to be in a rock band and all my friends were like putting bands together, yeah. but I grew up playing classical piano. Wow. And so like no one needed like a Mozart sonata and they're like Red Hot Chili Peppers <laughs> cover or whatever. So when I learned about making music on the computer, it was like, oh, you can turn the keyboard into any sound. And so yeah. I was just like making, you know, music, not really sure. I, I loved Daft Punk, but I didn't understand wow. what house music was really. And it was just like, I don't know for me i grew up listening to a lot of like cheesy love songs soul music disco funk stuff yeah. um and so the you know discovery with all the samples it had it felt familiar but also new yeah. i didn't know what sampling was you know but um it just planted a seed and then i think um yeah going to a rave for the first time it helped me understand like oh the music that i'm making on the computer I would DJ it. I didn't know what DJing was. Like the first time I saw DJs, I mean, you, were, you, you know, I thought were they were making young. all the music live, you know, yeah, on the spot. Oh, it's like, you don't know what yeah. they're doing. And it just seemed too, it seemed too simple to think that they were just playing songs <laughs> with all that equipment. And, you know, it's uh, like you could have an iPod and yet you're, <laughs> you know, have all this shit. But um, yeah, so it was, that was that was my entry point. The rave scene, like Insomniac, this Nocturnal Wonderland. was playing? Yeah, some of the 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 two big acts that I was excited to see were Digitalism, um, which is you know part of that like blog house yeah. indie electro thing, and then Junkie XL. Wow, but that's <laughs> yeah. really that's a really dope party. You know, yeah. I thought you were gonna you know it was gonna be Steve Aoki or something like that because that that was the big parties here. Yeah, at that time, right? Yeah, but you know, two thousand nine, Steve Aoki was like really cool. Like he was doing all these mashups and you know. <laughs> Dim Mac, like his label, they signed. They were signing like Block Party and all these like indie true, bands true. and shit. Block Party was so cool. So cool. It was like yeah. Steve Aoki was very credible, very hip at the time because this was before the word, the term EDM did new. not exist yeah, in two thousand nine. 
that was they called that electro yeah, which yeah. it isn't but what they called that back then it isn't but it it is also i mean i don't know electro is electro it's I, like it's it's drexia i, th I, th I know? think i agree with that but I, I, like in terms of my heart nowadays yeah, yeah. but the, the electro house you know like yeah. You know, it's like yeah, I, get it. I think it's okay. It's okay. I'm not, I, 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 <laughs> at, at some point, if mm -hmm. you've lived enough stuff, you don't get picky with that sort of stuff. But right, also, know? it's like the line between all those styles. It it is. It's very interesting because I think you know. I don't know. I feel like we're in this time right now mm -hmm. of like people being like, "Yo, I'm gonna play." I played like a couple Afrojack songs in my yeah. Dirty Bird camp out yeah, set yeah, yeah. and you could do that you could mix in old EDM stuff from the 90s stuff from the 80s yeah. it doesn't matter anymore I feel like people are giving less fucks well hey come on I think uh -huh. we need to take into account the <laughs> level of respect that people have for you as an artist mm, mm. I think that you have proved yourself mm. so now you're free to like be as creative as possible mm -hmm. but i think if a random even myself if yeah. i go out and i throw a couple of the tracks you throw out i might you know mm. well you know i get booed out they're, not because mm -hmm. they're not cool but because people might not be open yeah so that you are you have an amazing freedom that i admire and, and envy at times mm -hmm. because it's like people love you mm -hmm. And they're like, I'm going to go on this ride with Justin. <laughs> I'm going to go on this ride with him. Mm -hmm. And I know because I'm also a fan. And it's like, yeah, I'll let's do it. Mm -hmm. Let's go. <laughs> but I'm not, you're not going to be like that with everybody. Yeah. Because I know if I walk into a club and there's like this random dude playing uh, Britney Spears, I'm not going to look at it the same as if you're playing it. But, you know, it's funny because I think for me, it's like, you know, I think any artist can get that freedom you just have to be willing to take the risks because i feel like yeah for me it's like you might not see the times where i get angry messages from people who are like <laughs> I, the, my favorite story i've talked about it before is like i played boston and boston i love boston my favorite thing about boston people is like they're very honest which i think is a great quality and it's like if they have a problem with you yeah. they'll fucking tell you in your face right. and versus california people were like i'm into we're, that we're like I like the honesty. You know, California people can sometimes be non-confrontational and kind of like passive aggressive, but Boston, what you're you're getting the honest truth, and they hated. <laughs> I did a they show where the there's like times where like years later I would still get a message being like, "You fucking played Who Let the Dogs Out? You suck, dude." <laughs> so it's like, uh, you know, I, I feel like at the end of the day, I feel like if you're following your heart. Yeah. If you're truly following your heart, then what ends up happening is some people might be disappointed and then they leave and they they don't come back. But the people who stay, they're there for you. And so it's like yeah. I think that's sort of what happens when you follow your heart and take the risks that you feel. It's like you might there might be some people who are disappointed, but to be like to just be like mm, that's okay and maybe maybe those people will come back in the future, which sometimes happens. Yeah, when they yeah. grow and yeah. listen to more music and they're more open, for sure. Yeah. So here's a question. How, you have this, like, tranquility. You have this calmness about you. Also, like, confidence. Talking Also, talking about the, the music that you are able to play. Mm -hmm. Where does that come from? Mm. Can you explain where you found it and how you got to this point? Yeah. And was it always like that? Totally. So... I think it came from a couple different places. 
one, I was, oh, I feel like my early years, I felt very like, uh, alone, <laughs> which mm. was not great for feeling kind of lonely musically, but it felt like I never had to worry too much about like making the people around me happy because there wasn't anyone around me. I was like 18 in college. Everyone was discovering EDM. I had just gotten signed to Dirty Bird. And, you know, I think a lot of people struggle with being in a, a scene mm. where there might be like people judging. And Here's an like, important, mm -hmm. not to cut you off. Yeah. Where were you in college? Uh, LA, Los Angeles. LA. Yeah, oh, yeah. so you were in the middle of the scene anyways. Yeah, but it was like, in, this is 2011 and when I first got signed to Dirty Bird. And so I went to like, you know, I'd go to like an underground house show and everyone would be like in their mid to late 30s, early mm -hmm. 40s. It was yeah. like, no one was at the party. <laughs> you know, like it was, it was just like, it wasn't cool. It wasn't hip. It was just like, you were there for the music. And I think that was, that was another cool thing about the, there was no like trying to be cool. It was not cool. <laughs> like no girls True. cared about me being like a house DJ. And it was, I went to parties where it wasn't like, there wasn't like hooking up and there wasn't like elitism and status. Mm. We were all just nerds. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that yeah. was the energy. You I know? miss that. Yeah. I miss that a lot. So that was LA in 2011 while EDM was just exploding. And at the same time, mm -hmm. like Diplo and Iwayoki were having those other big parties, but there were, that was Electro. It was different. Exactly. Yeah. So that, yeah. So, you know, the music I was into, people were like, where's the drop? Uh -huh. um, but yeah. then, so I think that was part of it, just the context <laughs> of where I started. But I think the biggest thing that has been like a pretty big theme in my career when I fi was finishing college, everything on paper for my life seemed so perfect. I was able to, you know, pay my rent and my credit card with like DJing and music and uh, was able to do all these great shows and, you know, really live this dream. And f everything mm -hmm. seemed so perfect on paper, but it was the weirdest thing. Like for some reason inside, everything felt totally fucked. <laughs> and it took a, yeah. it took me a, a while to even figure out what was happening but pretty much I was under a ton of pressure from a manager who wanted to push me in ways that might not have been as authentic um, and really what was in my heart was I'd been DJing for you know, four or five years professionally at that point and I really wanted to try singing and write using my voice and put a band together it was like the eighth grade shit yeah. that I didn't get to do I wanted to do and it's yeah. it's funny because i think music can be an outlet for your very like childish ambitions and so when i was like i want to sing songs you know putting your voice out there in the world like that like singing in front of people nothing is fucking scarier than that shit especially if you've never i had not been a singer or anything i just was like i want to try doing that so i i feel like when I started exploring that side of my music more, it was something that I needed to do. And I ended up canceling a full tour, firing that manager. Pretty much everyone around me was like, you're throwing your career in the garbage. And everything I was feeling got so intense that it was like, I had no choice. It was like, the more that I was neglecting my heart and just like doing what I was supposed to do and play, you know, yeah. just keep on DJing, it, it the enjoyment all immediately escaped or like it all escaped and things turned into like anxiety and stress mm -hmm. and so i just experienced de the the music career when it stopped being 
when I stopped giving myself permission to like have fun and explore my authentic musical self, it became the worst thing of all time. And so it was worth risking throwing it all away <laughs> to follow my heart. Um, and I think since then, I feel like the same, you know, because then I w would go on tour as a band with my friends, you know, I ended up doing the whole thing. And it got to, it ultimately, the ultimate s sign of like success was I, it got to the point where I would DJ and people would be like, why are you DJing? I thought you were a band. And I would bring the band and people would be like, why are you a band? I thought you were DJing. It was like, you know, That's awesome, I could, man. I found that I could do both and that ultimately it worked out okay. And so then I think my sort of like that same sort of identity and like, like approach, I think just ended up infiltrating the way I look at DJing by itself. And I feel like when I started doing that, that's really what gave DJing like a whole new like life and spirit for me. Mm -hmm. Cause there was a time where I was like really not having fun with it. And D what I've learned is just like, yeah. So I've now been DJing producing for like over 10 years now. And it it's, I'm having as much fun as I did when I was like, 15 fucking around learning how to make music you know that's and you awesome, can just man. keep that fun and that enjoyment and that's the that is the main thing that i prioritize over everything else i respect that a lot mm -hmm. that's that's an amazing story mm -hmm. especially because like you got signed very closely to when you started producing or am i wrong uh you know i mean i started when i was in ninth grade you okay. know 15 and then my first track signed was 18 yeah but um the, the i would say that first track that got signed, I would still say it was kind of like a lucky, it was like yeah. a lucky beginner, beginner's luck. That's what it was. And it took me eight months of grinding with constant rejection. I would send Claude Von Stroke like a demo a week, pretty much for like eight months, which was crazy. You, I'd, I was, I was in college. I didn't go to any parties would be, I would, <laughs> I would, my, my, my thing was I would make music after class until my roommate woke up <laughs> to go to class. Like he was an early, early bird. So he would wake up at like 8 a.m. And it was like, I remember it was like a sequence. It was like, first the buses would start, then the wow. then the sun would start coming up, then he would wake up, and then I would go to bed. <laughs> so it was, crazy, like, it was like a fucking crazy grind. And in that grind, even then, th the biggest keys to success for getting that second song signed were fucking having fun not i was making music you know there were two big lessons from that period the first was just making more music was the best way to in to improve my skills mm. you know because it's like the more songs you you know mix and master and structure you're going to get better at those skills you know yeah. you need to finish songs to get better at those things versus just starting beats loops if you don't finish anything you won't develop those skills so that was part of it and then the other part was creative and just I started playing this game of like analyzing Dirty Bird songs and being like, how can I get us another song signed? He has my, I have his email. He, he listens, but he <laughs> says no to uh, everything. So it's like, I was playing this game of like analysis and trying to do it. That happened to me with uh, Christian Martin. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> yeah. And that's how I found out your music through, uh, through PS Techno. Uh, Mueve. <laughs> oh, that's the that's probably the best track I've ever made for sure. Dude, you've made so many fire tracks, and you shouldn't compare one to the other. Oh, I, I can. Yeah. No, that's a, that's no, a, dude. That, you know, that's a 
best yeah. high level of very very high level of detail on that track like but hmm. the thing is would that be the biggest piece of advice you would give yourself to go back to that time like hey how can you push your career forward or how can you become a better producer quicker what would you tell yourself finish more tracks if it's, it's yeah the two things finish more tracks but then also okay. make the song you want to make and not don't make the song you think you need to make and yeah. i can get more specific so it's like my biggest key for success for beginning to get uh, songs signed again was when I allowed myself to make music that would never get signed. A hundred percent. So, and for Dirty Bird, it was, it was really specific because I was obsessed with Deep House at the time. <laughs> I loved yeah. Deep House, all the different types of Deep House from like old Frankie Knuckles um, and Carrie Chandler to like, you know, Hot Creations was doing, and Crosstown oh, okay, was doing like an old Deep House thing yeah. at the time that was really new and different. But I was so in that. So good, so good. And it's funny because Dirty Bird, like Claude, hates yeah. Deep House. Yeah. He was like, he started Dirty Bird with his friends as a response because <laughs> everyone was into Deep House in San Francisco. Yeah. And he was like, fuck that shit. And the funniest thing is when I started allowing myself to make those Deep House songs, they immediately got rejected by him mm. but months later they ended up getting signed by other people and it's funny because my second track ever signed to dirty bird has a ton of deep house influence mm. like straight up and it's funny because yeah i don't know just like sometimes you know like you need to defy all of the logic and reason that you might think you need to follow to make a good song and then you do that all and then a magical thing happens and you get a song signed. The, you know? this, the tracks that I've signed to Dirty Bird mm -hmm. are the tracks that I would have least thought that they were going to get signed. Mm -hmm. the, the first one was like this Juke track. That Caracas? No, no. What was the first one? The first one was Cut the Mint. Don't know it. What speed? Do you remember? Not that fast. So yeah. I was listening to Juke and Ghetto House and all that stuff and yeah, I was yeah. like, I'm going to make a uh, mix between breaks and juke but it's gonna fit in a tech house set mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. that's what i did and yeah that one like a lot of people still remember that track but i would have never expected them to sign that one i made a lot of like a dirty bird house tracks mm -hmm. and those didn't get signed so what got you into the breaky electro stuff what i made it without even knowing what it was that's dope. I mm -hmm. made a track with my friend uh, Arango. Mm -hmm. It's called Bochica. Uh -huh. Also one of the best tracks I've ever made. Sick. Even though it was you know, a while back. But yeah, at that point I was like, like you said, not only studying, but like the intricacy of the details of those tracks is mm -hmm. to the point of like craziness, like losing your mind. Mm -hmm. Even though nobody notices. But <laughs> I do. Yeah, and yeah. probably if you listen to it, you will. Mm -hmm. The baseline was the kicks, basically, and it had like a mm -hmm. a running uh, moog bass under it, and it moved with the kick. Like I don't even know how that came together, <laughs> mm -hmm. but I made that, and of course, inspired by Miami bass and mm -hmm. all that. And then I just got into this hole of uh, break beat and electro, and then I started discovering a lot of stuff. I just I've always liked the bassier stuff. Cool. Oh. And the fun, the fun stuff. I don't like minimal at all. Mm -hmm. When I say minimal, I mean real minimal, not what they call minimal now. You know? Because mm -hmm. this isn't minimal. 
this is just some fucking new genre that's like just tech house but with little bleeps in the back that's not minimal <laughs> real minimal you can look it up it's, it's a different style uh -huh. it, mm. it just sort of came about and then i fell in love with the like the chicago house stuff and the mm -hmm. ghetto house and dj funk and dj dion and so dj good. rashad mm -hmm. all that stuff and i've always tried to be as original as possible and nobody was making that in our circle let's call it of course there were people making it mm -hmm. i just thought how can i bring all these worlds together at a bpm that maybe fits yeah dude you know i do it, it's it's funny because i remember i feel like it's still in my folder like on on my usb like when i've discovered your music through mueve um you're you were like one of the few sort of like producers who was releasing music on american labels who was in the folder with like all the fucking i'm still hip you're you know you know i was really for me like i think a label that really inspired me to get into electro you know in the past couple years has been like like lobster theremin, lobster theremin. ftp like a texas's label yeah ftp is that it's mm -hmm. wild yeah yeah dude <laughs> unfortunately it's like uh i don't know it, it's this crazy stuff there's good stuff i also go mm -hmm. into those like mad uh bandcamp rabbit holes i download 50 tracks and there's two usable ones <laughs> yes yeah i know that's that's that kind of stuff that's awesome dude <laughs> and, and you know it, it's funny because you mentioned you mentioned drexia it, it's it's funny i yeah. remember one of my friends was showing me drexia and i loved i loved the uh the the music back in like 2013 but it took me took me quite a few years to like start exploring it but it's also it's funny because i realized i had been very inspired by electro and booty mm. accidentally but th it was through dirty bird you yeah. know because it was like i didn't know that i was a fan of like dj dion like all the old school detroit electro DJ people funk. exactly dj funk and then you know like i don't know man just like J Flip was like an artist on Dirty Bird who was very electro inspired, oh, so, cool. so sick. Yeah, um, and there, there's that track by Christian Martin and Justin Martin, that's like super booty electro. I don't remember the name, but I have it in my like. I still play it so much. Yeah, so I don't know. I feel like Worthy also had some uh, absolutely breakbeat stuff. Absolutely, yeah. It, you know, I think um, that was what was so interesting about Dirty Bird as an entry point for. It, it wasn't my entry point into club music, but it was a label that like really opened your mind. Yeah. Up. And like stole my heart when I was in high school. Um, like, uh, you know, cause it was just they were, the amount of inspiration that the, the artists were drawing from was so vast. Like one of the defining songs that, that made me go from like, this shit is cool to like, this is literally the best label of all time. The tipping point was, um, uh, Mr. Spock. Mr. Spock. And it was like, I found that and then I found a compilation called Dirty Bird Bass um, and like Julio Bashmore had a song on it and it was just like I haven't heard that one dude it's yeah, no dude, way I haven't dude it's so good and um, Ardalan yeah Ardalan and uh, yeah dude Ardalan he's you know he doesn't miss the kid doesn't miss <laughs> <laughs> but, but it, it's so dope because I feel like yeah that's that was what was so special about Dirty Bird I've never really thought about it but if you got into that music you were accidentally being inspired by like old school electro, yeah. ghetto tech, For drum me, and bass. For me, was the connection house. with uh, yeah. Kill Frenzy. Oh, not, yeah, Kill yeah, Frenzy yeah. is very ghetto house inspired. Yep. And I there's like this also that no panties on song. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, I'm really into this fucking vibe. Like, I just really like this 
what is this? I like it reminds me of something, but what? But and then I get ah okay, it's like juke, but it's just slowed down. Yeah, but it still works. Exactly, dude. Yeah, shout out Kill Frenzy because yeah, he like his first song in Dirty Bird was Booty Clap, and that was the first time I'd ever heard yeah, anything exactly. like that, and that's yeah, like a yeah, DJ yeah, Funk yeah, yeah. sample. Um, so yeah, I don't know, dude. Just really, it's just so interesting how. Uh, I don't know music and it's funny because you're you're talking about like originality yeah and i think actually there's originality is great but i think there's a case to be made about like you can be original without being original you know oh, it's like, well, or like when, when i say original i don't mean like you're creating mm -hmm. from scratch yeah but mm -hmm. what i mean is you know not going to the beatport top 10 and just copying mm -hmm. the formula or or right now what it would be is grabbing a, a Cassie track or whatever and then doing the A craze thing. Oh, oh. Like mm -hmm. that's that's what's going on right Everyone, now. Everyone that's like an inside joke, right? Uh the nineties <laughs> R and B acapellas. <laughs> oh my tech God, house bootleg. Dude. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think that I, I think A craze do it to it is a banger. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's I think it's fine. And speed it up to 150. Uh, it slaps. I think that's your answer for everything. Dude, but yeah. it, no, no, it <laughs> slaps. It so, really feels great. <laughs> dude, I didn't have to give anything up, but I do feel like I went through the same process you did. Mm -hmm. Of course, yours is way more important because you had a, a career that you let go. Mm -hmm. I didn't. Mm. I was just making music and at some point mm -hmm. uh, I was stressed out because I was like if I want to live from this what do I do I can't I can't keep on like just trying shit out and making random stuff I would have to make music that people want to buy so I can pay my rent and all this and all that mm. and kind of hated it you know I mm. kind of hated it it didn't last too long but mm. I just said hey man you just just gotta get a job so you can cover your expenses and leave music as something that makes you happy. And when I did that, everything worked out because I didn't, I don't have that pressure. I don't have that. I don't have anything on me. So I, everything I do, I do because I like it. Like I do this podcast because I like hanging out with, with yeah. people I I'm a fan of, or I just like being around mm -hmm. and I just do it. I mean, I don't have to do it. Like, I don't have to do the roast. I don't have to post on social media or I don't even have to make music if I don't want to. But mm -hmm. it makes me happy. And mm -hmm. now I am feel a lot more free with, with yeah. everything else. It's crazy. You know, I've heard a lot of really amazing artists talk about this where it's like the second you let go of the pressure, you want the, when you let go of like, yeah, the utility you know like oh i need to make a song that is gonna get me a gig or something like yeah. that the second you let go of that and just allow it to be about the fun and the expression and the authenticity that I mean, it's like I, when you're trying the least hard sometimes yeah. that's when things can click right? well and it's also it took it just took the fun out of making music for me yeah so it's like what's what, the point <laughs> yeah what's the fucking point dude well you know I, I mean i feel like we're very lucky to live in a time where like you know can start your own label and release your yeah. own music and you know, i think having that having that control is just it's very freeing you know and i feel like i don't know to me i think the more you can remove pressure and just get back to the oh, fun honey. of it it's like everything is like positive cycle spiral it's like you have more fun then your music is more fun then yeah. people enjoy your music more then there's more opportunities and 100%. you know it's it's 
you know, it's it's crazy versus the downward spiral of like you're putting pressure on yourself. You're not having fun. Your music suffers. Then you're because you're not having fun. You spend less time making music. Yeah, and it's like it's you all hate it. you hate it. And then it's like, yeah, it's. But <laughs> anyways, talk to me. Talk to me about Fantastic Voyage. Uh, mm -hmm. How how did it come about? It came from exactly what we're talking about, pretty much. Like, just making music that couldn't get signed to any place. Mm. And it's funny because I've heard so many people talk about this, like rejection, 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 and you're left with no other choice but to do it yourself. And then something <laughs> amazing happens because of it. And I think it's a testament to like if you're trying to get your music signed to a label, it needs to fit that person's taste and their you know, the curation and the schedule and all yeah. of these factors. And it's like, dude, it's it's a crapshoot to to get a song signed ever. And if you get rejected, your song might be amazing. It might be so different that it doesn't fit a box. Yeah. And that might mean people might really love it. And so that's kind of what happened with me and my friends too. Because by the time I was finishing college, I'd sort of like been like influencing my friends, kind of showing a couple of them how to make house music. Others, I had some friends who were into it at some point and then they kind of quit. And I was like, dude, send me your music, man. Let's like, do it. You know, and uh, it was that sort of energy that where it began. And I think the, the one of the biggest things was like, yeah, kind of my interest in like the singing and the songwriting. And I think, um, you know, it's like I had become friends with a guy who was like a ukulele player singer he was like the guy who you know who jack johnson is yeah of course yeah, so he was like we were roommates in college together at, in a frat house we were both <laughs> total outsiders you know people wanted edm i was going to like techno warehouse parties and he was into jack johnson so it was like johnson. both of us I mean, were, jack johnson was pretty good amazing pretty amazing good. but just not frat raging oh, yeah, music so we were sure. both like you know we became really good friends and ultimately you know we're trying to bring the music together and yeah, man. So it was like there was a point where we just had to do it ourselves. And so that's where it began. And, you know, I think, yeah, that's where it kind of continues. And, and I think with with my label, I feel like as much as possible, my biggest goal would be to get out of people's way. You know, mm -hmm. it's like I, I which is really hard to do when you want to curate something and kind of, sh you know, yeah. have it be authentic to you as the person like curating the music but like it's representing like, you or yeah you know it's like you know like the brand or the identity or whatnot but i feel like <laughs> you know and all that stuff it's like the it's awful for yeah. for being an artist and creating um and so yeah it, it's just funny because i feel like i have really taken this idea of like just trying to allow the homies to just do whatever they want and it doesn't always work out for me, you know, where sometimes I'm like, ah, maybe this song won't work. It, it's not 100% of the time, but there's some magical moments where a friend sends me the weirdest shit I've ever heard, and I'm like, let's do it. <laughs> and it's just awesome. That's um, what's up. Yeah, dude. So I don't, I don't know, man. That's, that's, that's the essence of it. And yeah, we that's just, awesome. we I just mean, celebrated I... our, our five-year birthday, and the, we took it to the full force where we did... I reached out to everyone. I sent like a big mass email text. I probably threw our email. Oh. You're probably in the mix. And it was like, literally send me anything. <laughs> and we got like 
I then DM'd like every DJ that I look up to and was like, yo, dude, this is the idea. Send me anything. If you've ever had a track that never could get signed, send it to me. And it was like a 100 song compilation. (laughs) I should have sent you like my, like I made a couple of lo-fi tracks. Like lo-fi house. Sick. I should have sent you that. Dude, it's not too late, dude. Let's run it. I will also send it to you. Come on, dude. How can people get on Fantastic Boyage? Yeah, the key is me hearing the music, which sometimes people send me stuff and I just take so long. But I think the best way is probably Instagram. Um, yeah, like okay. I, I think that's probably the best. And there's times where it takes me like three or four months to hear back from someone. And it's like, and the, and what I do appreciate is I appreciate people being like, yo, have you had a chance to listen? And me being like, dude, I haven't, but thank you for reminding me. And those people being like, no worries. And then you follow up. People, <laughs> people want to uh, hit you up for a fantastic voyage. Mm-hmm. The best thing to do is through Instagram. Yeah, definitely slide into and, my DMs. And uh, what is the Fantastic Voyage Instagram? How can they follow the label, listen to the music? Oh, true. Yeah, Fantastic Voyage Music uh, on Instagram. We have a band I say camp. Voyage. It's Voyage, right? It's whatever you want, dude. Not your, <laughs> I love your accent. It's uh, Yeah, that sounds way cooler. Um, but yeah, man, I uh, say it however you want to say it. Okay. Send whatever you want to cool. send. That's awesome. I feel like the... I feel like a key to success if you this is like a tip for the for the homies in the in the chat or whatever like if you send me something surprising like not house music mm. or like maybe there's a house song and like a hip hop song and like a dubstep song and like a techno song I'll be very interested to be like oh what <laughs> you know like nice. I feel like I don't know cuz cuz I also think like if you send me like a bunch of tech house bangers well first of all i might love them but i feel like there's many 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 labels that would probably be be able to help your song more than than mine yeah where i feel like yeah if there's i don't send me a paragraph because i don't i i (laughs) am horrible at responding i'm Mm -hmm. just not i love talking to people one-on-one text not my strong suit email not my strong suit um but yeah just i think if you send me a sh- like a one sense thing, being like, "Yo, dude, lots of dude, BPMs from one oh eight to one eighty. <laughs> I'll send you. I'll send you some crazy ones from the roast. Let's go. Sure. Yeah, please do. There's definitely a couple I can think of that could work. <laughs> Fuck yeah. So talk to me about the teaching. How did you get into it? And- mm-hmm. Dude, so it actually all started because of my sister. She works in education and in classical music, and so. Oh. Uh, she um, has been helping classical musicians uh, for a long time and in different ways she was doing stuff where she would help them with like bookings and she had like a company with uh, one of her close friends that was like an agency slash management company for classical musicians and um, there was also an educational component teaching musicians how to like about their careers or how to teach classes in different ways and stuff. And I'd never really thought about teaching at all. Um, and it's funny because I'd always been to... You were helping people out when you started as exactly, well. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Like my friend Benny Bridges, he taught me so many things about like harmony and music theory. And I taught him a bunch about making house music. And then he like 
got a got started getting songs signed to labels and shit. So when my sister was telling me about, oh, you could teach music, I was like, I feel like I already have, but I just yeah, you know, do it to my buddies. And the thing with your friends, it's kind of like I feel like I imagine it's what being a parent is like. Cause you know, it's like, <laughs> have you ever been in that situation where your mom tells you something? Yeah. And you're like, shut up. And then you're like, your best friend's older brother tells you the same thing, and you're like, oh my god <laughs> you're a genius and you actually listen sometimes with your friends it's like they don't want to listen to you and stuff and so which i think is like part of it it's like that which is it's all good but i think teaching was like was awesome because yeah like if someone's coming out reaching out to you because they want to learn then you can really you know you can they're gonna try things they might not enjoy what they try and they might not listen 100% of the time, but I've had such magical, magical experiences. I've also had magical experiences teaching friends as well, but I think uh, it's it's a different relationship because it's also a friendship. And I get the you. friendship to friendship. I think thing, you're very you know. good. I think you're uh, honestly excellent. Uh, <laughs> I did. I I've been on your courses, the nine and nine challenge, and I always I always call back to it and mm -hmm. I tell people to go check it out and do mm -hmm. it because. What I do on Wednesdays, on the Wednesday rows, is mostly about mixing. Yeah. And uh, I think people get overcomplicated things a lot. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I think that that was such a good course. You mm -hmm. went into just like just using 909 and making tracks out of 909. People download a lot of these splice sample packs that are already super processed. Yeah. And overcompressed and nothing fits together. And I always tell them, like, if you're starting out, stick to one drum machine, 808 or 909. Great advice. And because all of the elements already have their space in the frequency spectrum. And, and even just putting a limiting limiter on it, it just works. And so uh, satisfying. Like, <laughs> when people do that, they just get so stoked because <laughs> it, it takes out so much guesswork. Yeah. Of stuff that maybe they don't understand in the beginning. Mm -hmm. How can people join them? How like when are they? Do they go down? Yeah, I don't really. Maybe follow follow him on Instagram. Then that's a good. But if you're if you're and... curious about getting the mix, maybe message me. But it's not like, I don't know. I feel like, I'm. I kind of like. I'm always winging it. I'm like, yeah. I don't have time for this right now. And follow then, him on and Instagram. <laughs> yeah. Follow him. That's the same thing I said. Follow me on Instagram, and then you and See, you know when I have a live stream, when I have a, something, it will mm -hmm. be up there. That's awesome. Don't worry about it. But yeah, I feel like generally people can always shoot me a message, and mm -hmm. I try my best to like respond. Uh, and yeah, you know, we'll keep people posted. But hit me up. I'll tell you if I figure anything out. There's definitely times where I'm like, like, where I'm like, next week I think I'll do You're something. Very, like, you know? Also, you have this just patience about you that it's so, like, even just talking to you calms me down. <laughs> well, I was yeah, like an good. hour. I was an hour late. <laughs> you know, it's like I'm, I'm not Venezuelan, so it's okay. <laughs> also, you texted and were very nice about uh, cool. it. Like maybe if I was just standing here and if we're I an hour you, later, yeah. I would be like, yeah, that's. <laughs> <laughs> that's not cool but yeah so, so the chill california energy it comes with the price yeah, yeah, i run yeah. late a lot which don't like don't love that got still trying to improve on that but I we i'm you know i'm venezuela and i i'm always a little late mm -hmm. but also you know why i get used to that i don't know if it's the same for california but hmm. in venezuela if you are on time you're an hour early Fuck yeah, let's so, go, dude. So you're gonna be there by yourself, mm -hmm. and that's it. Damn, dude, I'm, <laughs> dude, I'm, I'm curious. Wait, so 
when what years of your life did you spend in Venezuela? Oh man, it's just it's a it's always such a long story. But I I was born in Venezuela. Mm-hmm. I was there till I was like nine, and then we moved to Italy with my family. I was mm-hmm. there for a, for a bit, and I went to Venezuela for like a year. Then I moved to Spain, did uh, high school, then finished high school in in uh, Venezuela. Mm-hmm. Then I moved to France by myself. <laughs> so sick. <laughs> I moved to Nice by myself, then I started uni in Barcelona, mm-hmm. but I was partying way too much. Mm-hmm. So Tuesdays, I was at an after party till the morning. Right. And I moved to Madrid, and I went to a super serious university mm-hmm. there. And I was there for a while, then I moved to Rome. Wow. Then from Rome, I moved to Venezuela again because mm-hmm. of a family situation. Mm-hmm. And then I ended up here. Got you. So yeah, it's a lot of, a lot of jumps. That's so cool, man. I mean, I feel like... <laughs> A lot of jumps, That's but so many great when you, places. When you were talking about what was going on with music, mm-hmm. I lived a very different experience. My let's say formative years of mm-hmm. of music, I was in Spain, mm-hmm. and in Spain, mm-hmm. house music is just part mm-hmm. of the culture. So sad. So when you're like eleven or twelve, the albums that you buy are El Blanco y Negro. Like house compilation, sick, sick. Like uh, Ibiza 2012, uh, summer, whatever. Did you ever get into Machina? Machina, yeah, but that was harder. I was like, (laughs) I am just now in the past like year or so. I mean, I'm just scraping the surface, but Machina, because that was big in Valencia. It's like kind of like a very specific. uh, That's called Bacalao, man. Bacalao. That is. Oh my god! I can't believe I haven't made the connection. What? Google Bacalao, mm-hmm. La Ruta del Bacalao. Is that an artist oh, or a style? No. Bacalao? Yeah, bacalao is a style. Uh-huh. <laughs> La Ruta del Bacalao is uh, like there's just some clubs that were in Valencia and Benidorm in that area mm-hmm. where they played the music that you play. Yeah. <laughs> uh, at that time, I did not like it. I, I, I got to say. Yeah. Uh, but in Europe, you grow up with house. A lot of the time, the top 40 on the radio has house music. Yeah. Now, uh, us Latinos have destroyed everything because... Why? It's uh, 99% reggaeton. But that shit's tight. <laughs> yeah, but it, it took out a lot of that. But when I was mm. growing up there, it was a lot of house music. Huh. But I gotta say, look, in Venezuela, uh-huh. there was a lot of changa. And there's also wait, Raptor House. Wait, wait, wait what, what's changa? Changa is like... Pa, 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 da, 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 wait, wait, like Venga Boys? Like Bengal boys, but a little harder. There cool. were there were there were these like now now dance mania, whatever the fuck. Cool. Like now that's compilations, music. yeah. Dude, now all these all these styles, like, man. Dude, I think this is you, amazing. But we should definitely talk about maybe you listening to some yeah. DJ Baba and some Pox like yeah, dude, Changa Tuki. We need like we need you need to yeah. accompany this with like a Spotify playlist, you know, of like <laughs> all these different styles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, it's it's. I've literally never heard of these these no, terms. No, there's you know? so many, dude. Just that's just until mm-hmm. there's this guy that he'll go to these these countries and then just take that style and then put it out uh, and then get mm. get number ones. You know? Oh, really? Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> like Diplo? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Maybe. But you know, it's a, it's an interesting thing because what music the way artists create music. <laughs> Is you hear something and get inspired. Yeah, yeah, hundred you know? percent. But I think I feel like maybe a big distinction between doing something that feels like appropriative versus like just genuinely being inspired is maybe the way in which you do it and the way in which you talk about it and maybe the way in which you contextualize it through DJing. Because I think 
for instance, it's like if you genuinely are, a, if you love the music and it comes from the heart, I think it shines through because maybe you DJ mm. your new songs with the classics from that time, and you know you or, Dude, or you put on. Let those, me those let me tell you let shit, me tell you, you know? something. Nobody that was actually born in Latin America mm -hmm. cares about any of that mm. because people have real issues. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of people don't have food mm -hmm. or light or running water. Right. So right. we actually think that's dope. Like if yeah. I hear you or anybody else playing uh, whatever. Mueve, uh, mueve. Uh, yes. I think it's like, oh my God, that's so fucking, that's crazy. That's so yeah. much, okay, that's how we feel. Mm -hmm. But the problem is that what you guys hear in the States, mm -hmm. the loud voices, their fifth generation, mm -hmm. they do not represent the people that live there and have experienced that life. Yeah. So. I, I can tell you, I literally know no, nobody mm -hmm. that was born and lived in Latin America that has any problem with that sort of stuff. Yeah. What does happen and does kind of suck is when uh, sometimes artists take stuff and they never hit the shout out. Just hit, hit the just, shout out. Just hit the shout out. Exactly. You know? It's exactly. like, yeah, I'm making this. You know, I was listening to Changatuki mm -hmm. from DJ Bawa and felt super inspired. So, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I tried to get that. Yeah, that's all you got to do. I mean, it's yeah. not much, you know? Yeah, and it's like, I don't know. For hit me, the shout out. Dude, it's like, if you're a DJ also, if you're just playing a, a, an original piece of music from one of from an artist that's from a different place, it's awesome. You're just yeah. playing their music. It's of like, course. you know, I feel like, which which is a yeah. beautiful thing. I mean, if you were to maybe make an illegal bootleg and sell it as an original and not give them credit, that's maybe where, you know, it gets... Whatever, it, it would get... all, all you gotta do is hit the shout out. <laughs> like, the yeah, shout what's out. the kind of music I you're making? That. Yeah, I'm inspired. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm inspired by this stuff I heard when I went mm -hmm. to Costa Rica and I thought it was cool. Yeah. That's it. That's, I mean, that's, that's all you gotta do. Yeah. That's more than enough. It's mostly about understanding that man, people have real issues. Yeah. Every anybody that was born in the U.S. is very, very lucky, very mm -hmm. privileged to live mm -hmm. in a in a free country when where everything works somewhat. Mm -hmm. Well, dude, one of my favorite things about being here in Miami, which I've been spending more time, I feel like this place is so special because there's so many there's so many people from all over the world who come here, and oh. I feel like it's such a I don't speak uh, English here. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> that's mean, awesome. Not. But I feel but, like uh, it's actually really special, yeah, especially yeah. for for house music, because I feel like you literally don't feel like you're in the U.S. in the no, best yeah. way. You're not in for the US. for dancing. Amer like my whole you know nightlife experience, especially in L.A. Yeah. It ends at two in the morning. You get there at midnight. You have two hours yeah. to dance, and then versus space where it's like. You All get night. there at 4 a.m. and you're staying till noon the next day. And it's just like, it, for, for DJ culture and dance culture, it's just like, it's so special. I think, yeah, I think LA is very different. Yeah. And uh, also because I, I guess house is the famous thing now. Mm -hmm. So it's become the mm -hmm. EDM culture is now mm -hmm. tech house. So tech house is the new EDM mm -hmm. and it's the bottle service and the, mm -hmm. the, all that thing. Mm hmm. Anytime things make money, mm -hmm. things change. Mm -hmm. But, you know, even independent of that, like, I would say in L.A. with the, what I'm talking about, get there at midnight, get to two, leave the at times. 2 a.m. There's obviously illegal warehouse parties that go, you know, till 5 right. in the morning and stuff. But, yeah. I, you know, you can go see, a, you know, a decent, awesome DJ play at a club like Sound and 
you're gonna get there at midnight and leave at two. Sound is the 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 best spot. It's it's like uh, it's kind of like one of the go to rooms if it's a legal venue. Um, it's uh, you know, it, it's one of the staples for sure. Um, but the uh, I feel like this has to do with like American drinking culture. You know, it's oh. like American drinking culture. I feel like you are not allowed to touch alcohol until yeah, and you know, it's like. Many, I, I don't think that's good dude because what happens is like many people they 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 have to drink in secret when they're like 17 mm. 18 yeah when they get to college they're finally they're away from their parents and they can just like binge drink heavily and so it's this culture of like it's a sprint you know yeah, yeah you're yeah, like yeah, alcohol you. for the first you. time ever <laughs> and i think my theory is that that mentality extends into the way americans go out where it's yeah. like it's midnight we're like getting really fucked up and then it's 2 a.m. We're done, you know, versus, 100% versus I feel like, you know, so much in Europe and Central and South America, my take on it is that the there's a much more of like instead of a sprint, more of like a marathon approach where it's like people are. Well, because it's, and pacing it's very normalized. I don't know. If, I mean, I don't know if it's good or bad, mm -hmm. but it's very normalized, at least in Latin America is wild, man. In mm -hmm. Latin America, like in Venezuela, I, I I was like 13, 14, and we went to the club, but it's like a, it's like a members club, mm -hmm. right? So mm -hmm. that's why you can go. There's mm -hmm. like a members club. I used to go with my friend Fran, uh -huh. and uh, his dad would like come and sign us in because you need to be a member, and mm -hmm. at that age, they won't let you in. So mm -hmm. we would get there. We would like order a bottle of rum, and we were like drinking rum, and when you leave the club, they give you a plastic uh, cup. So you can put your drink on <laughs> uh, it that's so while you drink. <laughs> no. That's oh, not for driving? <laughs> that's like not really, drive? it's not very good. But. Fair enough. <laughs> we don't have that obsession mm -hmm. with alcohol, I think. Yeah, for it's, you know, it's that's, like when, when you when you don't let someone yeah, have something, exactly. they want it even we more. We don't have that obsession. I've always had my drink straight. I've never had a, like an obsession with drinking. I'll drink it because I like the taste of drinks, but I don't drink to like kill myself. And I think that a lot of my American friends, they mm. drink to get drunk. Yeah. And that's a different uh, mentality. But yeah. I think it's because of what you're saying. Because, yeah. you know, you spend a lot of time where the, you can't have even a, you know, a little beer or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then you're chugging. Yeah. <laughs> you're making up for all the lost time. Yeah, and yeah, then you yeah, never, yeah, yeah, yeah. you never course in, correct. In Europe as well, you know, you, you, you drink some wine with dinner, that sort of stuff. And, mm -hmm. and I mean, you can literally... Your, the legal drinking age for beer could be like 16 in some places, In a lot right? of places, yeah. A lot yeah. of places it's 16. Which is five years earlier Well, here, the, 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 I mean, I think 21 is pretty extreme. It's so because, extreme. Because uh, I think what you can go to war at 18. Yeah. <laughs> so you could basically go to war at 18, but not be there for three years, mm -hmm. like fight in, in wherever, mm -hmm. then come back and you can't have a beer. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, look, if if you can go to war, you should probably be able to have a and, beer. And honestly, I feel like at this point, it's like, <laughs> it's so weird because we live in a time where like, no one would be like, oh, you're oh 18 God. and you're drinking a beer? Or you're 20? <gasps> you're drinking beer? You know, it's like, I don't know. It feels like someone just okay. hasn't updated the law. <laughs> What's the next question? Here's the questions. I yeah. have I have some fan questions, okay? Yeah, let's run it. Mad Marsilia says, can I have a copy of your clap? My clap? There you go. You got it. You can sample that. 
Yeah, like, okay. Well, I'm curious which song, but yeah, not. <laughs> <laughs> do you use the same clap? I do. I use I, a, sometimes. I use well, I use the stock Ableton 808 and 909 a lot, yeah? a ton. That's so many. Me. What so many what's songs? Your, what's the processing on it? Nothing. Many times, nothing. Sometimes wow. stuff, but dude, I've had tracks on so many different labels, like Trick, Nicole Mudebear's label, Shall Not Fade. Suara. You did this remix you know, of uh, Christian Martin's song. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Speaker Freaker. Oh, that's that's so a good. that's a deep cut. That's so deep good. Fuck <laughs> yes. Hyped you dig it. Hyped you dig it. Oh, I love that track. Yeah. That's so. It's like I. I mean, I played that track a million times. Let's go. Um. Then Miss Megan says, Megan. "Who is your biggest influence? Daft influence and Daft Punk. Oh. And um, how about inspiration as a teacher?" Oh, uh, my sister, for sure. Your sister? Yeah, she's the shit. Mario Tavares asks, what is your hair care treatment? <laughs> uh, dude, no, fair enough. Uh, the For me, it's like I don't do a lot. The most important thing I have to do is like untangle it so that it doesn't get like dreadlocks. And yeah. for that, um, I need to have like my, my hairbrush. If I don't bring it, I'm fucked. I don't like, <laughs> it'll be like, <laughs> hey guys, it, it's just out of control. But yeah, so... That's it. Yeah. I had long hair during the pandemic and I couldn't, I, I couldn't, I, I can't. <laughs> when I was younger, I had long hair for a bit, uh, but now I'm just too lazy. Fair enough. And this is the, just like. But you the, keep it real clean. This is the, do you, do you the basic cut. Do you tighten a, it up yourself? No. Okay. No. Uh -huh. I go once a month. Cool. So you're, you're looking very fresh right now. Did you just get a haircut? No, no. I just get it very... Very tight? <laughs> yeah, very tight. So it lasts a little bit. But <laughs> That's great. Yeah. All, the, the biggest thing I do is just I just do my beard. That's nice. it. <laughs> Charlene says, do you get inspired wearing Lycra? I don't know why that. What's Lycra? I think it's like leggings. Do you wear leggings sometimes? Mm, no. I wear, I wear, you know, the uh, a lot of like... You know the Nike like flex fit, like the oh, right, you know right, the right, sweatpants right. that are like. I think they're talking about fast boy. Oh well, that I just wear like short shorts. <laughs> so <but> yeah. <laughs> what happened to fast boy? Where is he? Dude, uh, he was too fast. <laughs> no, I think you became fast boy. <laughs> right. I was right? like, yeah. The uh, the actual answer to that question is, it's like the inside joke for those who know. The real heads know fast boy. It's yeah. like I like it being. An inside joke. I'm into it. I'm into it. <laughs> I was almost like scared. I was like, this is becoming too good. And, but I think, um, Party Boy 69's manager, like, started giving me shit. Really? And I was like, I love Party Boy 69. Oh, and so I was like, on, I don't know. It was at a time right before I started getting songs signed to kind of, you know, electro labels and stuff like that. Who and so, cares? yeah, I just, I don't know. I felt like I was insecure about being you know honestly like an american dude who was obsessed with all these european and australian and you know south american artists south america by the way has such a crazy electro scene it's insane low-key kind of rivals the u.s you know just like you know daga there's that label it's like brogochure i don't know if you know it i forget Brogo the name sure i don't know yeah it, it's it's just amazing but anyways no daga is really cool uh are you have you guys known each other for a long no, time i hit him up the first track i heard i hit him up because he knows he's from maracaibo so he knows my friend leo who i know i met him well, you know i met i met yeah. the two of you guys together so th and they, uh, did they grow up together they know each other from maracaibo uh, and i hit him maracaibo. up immediately because i like 
there's somebody that's making this kind of music I dig. I hit him up and like, dude, we we gotta. Let, how can I help you out? You yeah. Know? But we didn't end up doing anything. And, and I I still think we really should. I want to help him mm-hmm. cross over to the U.S. Ah, uh, that'd be because so they're tight. all in those like Berlin labels and all that stuff that is is dope. But you know, it's not here. Like people here. All that. Yeah, dude. But yeah, I think he's really cool. He's he so sick. Oh man, um, such a fan. When it comes to Venezuelans, the biggest Venezuelan artist is Arca. Yo, oh my God, Arca, so uh, dope. There's Arca, and then there's Fur Coat. They're also Venezuelan. Oh, that's dude, Fur Coat. That's amazing. Yeah. You know, the, dude, the, you and I, right? Like that was the uh, the anthem for the <laughs> the Cross Town Rebels, like deep house shit. But yeah, dude, yeah, I don't know. It's it's really interesting like you know that's not a humongous list of artists but it is a very high quality no. list i mean arca is one of the arca i feel like you could easily say in terms of creative forward-thinking producers yeah. arca is in the top list of the world well, you know uh, like, she is a true genius yeah a true genius yeah. Uh, some of us are producers i consider myself a producer uh-huh. what's going on with venezuela like musically like it seems musically? like there's is there you know like, is music a big part of the culture? No, oh, huge. Yeah, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're dancing since See? we're born. Dancing yes. merengue, salsa. Oh, that's amazing. Uh, yeah, music is super important. I think house music is not the the biggest. Mm-hmm. So house music is not the biggest thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like uh, growing up in Venezuela. Yeah. What you know, it's mostly like at parties. It was merengue, salsa, and these like now. Like, like changa changa is what we used to call uh, electronic music mm. uh, so it's like caracas de noche para pa para para pa para what's like yeah, yeah. But, you got to hear that one that one is that was a class wait wait what is it we got we got to do at least one track for the caracas <laughs> what, what what's the track id i think i don't even know what that is that's what we used to call changa i'll put it next to the mic put it on i the mean mic. this vocal intro it's like that's the thing. That's what I'm telling you. It's like it's pretty hardcore, dude. Yeah. Pop, 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 pop. Yeah, this is. Bro, this is fire, this. dude. That's what I'm telling you. <laughs> Yo, dude. What do you call it? Changa. Changa. C H A N G A. Yeah. Changa. Caracas. That's where I'm from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yo, this is sick. Are you kidding me? That's what we heard. Game over, dude. Yo, <laughs> yo. That was the music that, but that you, played you, when did I was. You know, did you fuck with this? Yeah, of cool, course, cool, dude. Cool. We used to dance to the side, like just like it, it was like a two-step, like well, one, two know, side. What, what's what's that, really interesting that, is I feel that, like that, that, from what I'm hearing through my phone. I mean, it reminds me a lot of like you what? know, sort of the, the 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 like Euro house, you know, like I, pop know. trancey shit, but with. With this percussion that is like, there you, you go. Know, has this groove I gotta that be you don't honest, get with the European stuff. I haven't, I haven't gotten into it mm-hmm. to like figure out what it was, but I don't know if that style was everywhere else. I really don't know. The only thing close to it was Banga Boys. Right. So we would get these songs, mm-hmm. and we would get Banga Boys. Where are they from? That's Venezuelan. The Venga Caraca, Boys? Caraca, no. Okay. No, 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 no. <laughs> Venga Boys, I think they're like Dutch or something like that. Oh, the Venga really? Boys are coming. Yeah, they're they're pretty fire. I mean, they're dude, they're they're incredible. Uh they're fucking Dutch. I think I'm pretty they're sure Dutch. They're Dutch. They're right? n- yeah. 
Yeah, I Damn. got it right. I got yeah, it. You did. You did. You yeah. nailed it, dude. <laughs> Knowing always are coming, baby. Dude, they're they're <laughs> they're here, dude, man. <laughs> dude, uh, we are the Vanga Boys. <laughs> You've never seen us and the Vanga Boys in the same room. <laughs> hey, so that yeah, that was a music show. Parties in Venezuela when I was growing up were it was a little bit of changa and a little bit of merengue and salsa. That's well, what it well, was. It was what like, about merengue house? Yeah, like was that. That's the fi- that's the best thing ever for me. Yeah, I I, I feel I don't know. I just I love it so much. I've always <laughs> yeah. been. I've always thought about and working towards like making a merengue house EP. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I gotta get in touch dude, with the right people. You know, dude, you gotta make that happen. Have you ever? I well, do know uh-huh. one of the that? guys that is on Proyecto Uno right now. So not the ones from before, from like the 90s. It's like but a new generation. The new generation. I know one of the guys, but I, I'm, I'm holding that card. <laughs> I'm, holding, I'm holding that card for the right time, uh-huh. and I will do it. You know, I mm. really want to do it. Dude. Um, what about, have you ever gotten on the mic on your tracks? All of them, dude. Uh-huh. I do the, I did, most of them, I, uh, it's me. Do you have bars? No. I have like the work track, the last one mm-hmm. I put out, the Not Again, that's me. Mm-hmm. Dude. Everybody got a track to say work, work, yeah. work, dude. Work. That's you me. got it, but you you've got bars, dude. You can do it. You're like everybody <laughs> has a track that says work, dude. Just that's me. what's that in Spanish? Oh, you mean do something in Spanish? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I can do that. Yeah, dude, for sure. But, I mean, I feel like I don't know. I feel like with with the merengue house that I've really <sighs> appreciated. The problem is that the instrumentation. You, yeah, the, but but you need it. But I don't know, like. Like Ilegales, for instance, oh, I feel so like good. they do shit where that's it's so like, good. I don't know. There's like, like one of my favorite Ilegales songs. There's like, it's like a remix version of, like it's See, like that's, La Morena. That's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. For me, yeah, you just knowing mm-hmm. who Los Ilegales is, yeah, is awesome. Yeah, they're I think that's they're fire. <laughs> that's so that's so fucking cool mm-hmm. that you even know who they are. I I I think that's amazing, dude. You know, it is it to me. It's surprising that like. I've I, seen them at, at like weddings. That's so, it when, really when, performed. That's so yeah. tight. But right. weddings in Minnesota used to be insane. Well, so, uh, you know, because I don't know too much about like the hi- the history of, you know, Merengue House. I read somewhere that it's like related to the Dominican Republic was like a big place for yeah. it. Yeah, Dominican Republic basically, I think, invented Merengue. But there's some point in time mm-hmm. where... Proyecto Uno got together with Masters at Work, if yeah. I don't remember correctly, mm-hmm. and then they added the sort of house element mm. because before it was more very very merengue. Yeah, yeah. And then in the nineties, like late nineties, when when house became a thing, you know, when they had that Madonna song and that that mm. J Lo song, right. Waiting for Tonight. Yeah, so oh. good, so good. Okay, so when that popped off. Then they brought house into merengue, mm. and that's where you get these tracks that are like, no way. like El Tiburón. That's just fucking insane. That is such a good track. Well, so did did Venezuela have a connection to merengue house in particular compared to other places in in the region? Like I don't know, mm-hmm. man. We we love it. Mm-hmm. That's amazing because I don't know. It, like it doesn't seem like there's a a good awareness of this music in the U.S. No, you know, and it's 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 interesting. Merengue I don't know. Merengue is not famous at all. It's mm-hmm. it's. Salsa is famous worldwide, mm-hmm. but merengue not so much. When uh, I'm somewhere and they play merengue, play, uh-huh. they play one of these songs. Uh-huh. It is just like this feeling of happiness and warmth that just. It's funny, like the 
when I've when I've played, you know, these amazing merengue house records, the response that I get is often like people are so stoked, especially like yeah. people who grew up with merengue. Oh, They're yeah. like, "Thank you Love so it. much." They're so hyped. I had a very interesting experience in 2013. You know, it's a long time ago. I played in Ecuador, and wow. it was my is it, it was I played uh I played um in Montanita, which is just outside of Guayaquil. Um, and I remember, you know, this was like peak. I think it might have been peak deep house, peak though. deep house time, yeah. exactly. And so it was that's like, when where when Jamie Jones was going down there, exactly. And so I think I I played a show with Planetaria, uh, Digitaria, Digitaria. That's who it was. I think they were playing or something like that. Okay. So it was like that was the vibe of the party. And I remember playing um a disco version of La Bamba. Yeah. And every, the people they were people were like not not down yeah, because, yeah, because yeah, yeah. it was a time where the people who were going to these house shows they were very much this is in Ecuador they yeah. and people were, they, were talking, away from that. they wanted to get away from that. Yeah. So thoughts? I can explain that, yeah. Mm -hmm. So what happens is sometimes there are like let's say you're in Spain and you play one of these classic Spanish songs Ooh. for them it's cheesy. Right. But if they hear it in the US, it's a callback to their culture. Ah, I so see. that's the yeah, that's the thing. Like when you go to the place, you don't want to pander to their sound mm. because they have their sound yeah. all the time. Mm. So they're like, I don't want to, I don't want to hear this. I'm here to get away from that. Yeah. yeah so that makes sense. That's the mm -hmm. that's the truth. So like, yeah, you know, I guess. If I were to play Merengue House in Venezuela, do you think the vibe would be different? You know, would it be like... I think if they're expecting like a techno DJ or something, they might be thrown off. Yeah, especially... But, uh, but mm, uh -huh. if you play it here and they're Venezuelan, they'll be like, oh my God, I can't believe you did this. Yeah. Also, I think it also depends on the amount of tracks you play. And the way in which you Like, let's say you go to Venezuela and you play uh, you play a house set, but in the middle you throw in like, uh, hey, I know you guys, mm -hmm. shout out to you. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. But if you try to play like uh, four or five tracks, mm -hmm. I wouldn't do that. Yeah, yeah. Because then, well, then you're, you're not giving them a unique experience. Exactly, exactly. That's cool. It's, just, it's so interesting and so cool because I feel like you know, most of the touring that I do is in the U.S. And yeah. you never have to, when you're just playing, like, in your own country, you never really have to, you can kind of understand the cultural context yeah. quite easily. And it's just so interesting to get some insights on, you know, what happens when mm. playing the same song in a different place and how it, is, it could it mean is different, different yeah, things mean different to things. the same person, you know, like, also, which is just cool. I mean, I got to give props to most U.S. clubs and, mm -hmm. and U.S. fans. I think that they are very open and, and they yeah. they really like to have fun. And I always shout out Dirty Bird because yeah. Dirty Bird shows and festivals, people are just, they're just there to have a good time. I like people that don't take themselves too seriously. Yeah. I like people that are enjoying themselves and just having a good time. Dude, couldn't agree more. I feel like we're very lucky and, you know... Yeah, the the open mindedness. It's my favorite thing, and I feel like yeah. I don't know, dude. It's uh, you mentioned Dirty Bird. I'm excited to tear it up with you. Uh, this yeah, not this we're weekend. Dirty next, Bird, Dirty Bird camping. We're month. playing mm -hmm. um, same stage too, dude. We need to find a Renegade yeah. set, and we'll yeah, play yeah, yeah. Let's run it. crazy Let's run electro it. and all this nut <laughs> stuff, <laughs> dude. You got to make some 
Merengue Electro, dude. I really think and that Changa. I want to make something happen. You want to make that? Ba, 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 dude, ba, ba. I... Caracas. Yes, noche. dude. Da, 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 da. Wow. Wait till you look up Changatuki. <laughs> You're going to trip out, dude. Changa? Well, he, oh, Changa Venezuela is a playlist, but how, Tuki? There you go. Changa Venezuela. Changatuki, pero bien Tuki. That's the playlist. Changatuki, pero bien Tuki. Cool. That's not even hard, dude. But well, this nah, is like that's not Changatuki. Give yeah, me your phone. Dude. Yeah, I'll, I'll this but this, 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 that's this the that's the malandro. Hold on. That's a malandro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the image of the malandro. That's like the like the Guido. Like a, it's not a Guido. It's like a like a the guy that robs you on a bike. Oh shit! That's like what, a gangster. Yeah, sort of. Not really. Oh, let me see. Those are cool sunglasses. Like, hey, this is fast. Yeah, it is very fast. That's what I'm telling you. Hey. <laughs> Raptor, this Raptor is House. Wow, Big dude. shout out, DJ Bawa. All right, dude. Well, yeah, I think on that note, right. damn, these, this is new shit. This is 2021. Not that one. No oh, really? Way. I mean, it's a compilation. Yeah, you're right. Probably, probably. Um, all right. So that was a podcast. Where can they follow you? What music do you have going on? Hit the plugs, please. Uh, dude, follow me at uh, Ernesto Music on Instagram, and <laughs> dude, uh, yeah, just Justin J Music, Fantastic Voyage Music. Yeah, I'm gonna go on tour uh this year. Uh, and yeah, I don't know if you're in Miami, I'm gonna try and spend more time out here. So we gotta. Oh gotta, yeah, please. First of many hangs. Excited yeah, yeah, to yeah, make, yeah, yeah. make some music. Um, I don't know. I'll, I'll be putting out music all year long. Just lots. Justin lots J. Of stuff. Music, fantastic <laughs> voyage music. Go check him out. Yeah. Make sure to follow that Instagram. There will be more workshops <laughs> that where you can learn how to make music and in depth. And um. Well, this show is basically sponsored by ShopBrokenEnglish.com. I'm wearing the Acid Breaks tee Let's right go, now. dude. You can go check that out if you want to support. And you can follow me at Ernestos Beats everywhere. If not, just go to ErnestosBeats.com. And thank you so much for coming through. I really, really Dude, this was super it. fun, man. And uh, right. yeah, thank you for having me. Big love to everyone who tuned one in. One last one. One last one. Last Cheers, dude. Sort of have a drink. There you go. <laughs> hey. To Changa. <laughs> Changa, Changa boys. Do Changa boys.